Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, my God. Mr. President, we have a national emergency. It's one of the things that we can shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, normally, you can't do that. All of a sudden, these trees started moving out of the way. They parted for me. And then I came out into this opening, and there where I saw Jesus Christ.
for you, the listeners of the W. Dean Shook Program. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Get your first 30 days of the Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. It includes one credit, which in most cases, one credit equals one audiobook. Now, after your 30-day free trial, your membership will automatically renew each month for just $14.95. With your membership, you will receive one credit per month, plus members-only discounts on all audio purchases. Members also receive one audiobook per month. Membership saves up to 30% on additional purchases. Save up to 75% on all CD audio retail prices, plus a free daily audio subscription to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Now with over 100,000 titles to choose from, all compatible with your iPod, iPhone, Android, Kindle, BlackBerry, and over 500 MP3 devices. Get your free trial today at audiotrial.com slash shook. That's audibletrial.com slash shook. Welcome in, my friends. Thank you for joining us, everyone, on the Blog Talk Radio Network, on the Spreaker Radio Network, as we're simulcasting live on both networks. And welcome to all of those who are regular broadcast affiliates across this country. And for those folks in the UK, welcome. I hope that everybody was able to join us for yesterday's program, because yesterday was the first part of this. Yesterday was the comparison, for those of you who weren't here um, yesterday was the comparison of the Quran and the Hadith and the Bible in time prophecy concerning the Antichrist. Um, and, and today's program is only going to really make a lot of good sense to you if you've heard the first one. So after today's program, don't go there now, after today's program, you'll need to go back and listen to if you haven't heard it already, to the first part of this, which is the comparison of the Quran, the Hadith, and the Bible concerning the Antichrist. Uh, I thought about it all night last night, about uh, what an incredible comparison it is. Not that they're the same, but that they're anti-parallel. As in, they say the same thing, but they're talking about different things. Our Bible describes the Antichrist in the exact same way that the Hadith and the Quran describe their Messiah. Could it be? Could it be? I'm not saying it is. I wanted to make these comparisons and show how, how stark these comparisons are so that you can make that decision for yourself. Okay, I don't want to cram anything down anybody's throat. I want to give everybody the opportunity to listen to both sides of it. But, you know, the comparison was undeniable. Now, as promised yesterday, today we're going to um, continue this, not necessarily 100% about the Antichrist, even though there will be a little bit of that in there. But we want to continue this comparison and the parallels and the anti-parallels between the Quran, the Hadith, and the Bible concerning the false prophet 
and the two witnesses. Now, the false prophet, uh, this whole thing is going to start out, <clears throat> excuse me, with a little bit of uh, uh, something that's going to force you to uh, stretch your mind about a little bit about it. And what I mean by that is this. When it comes to when it comes to uh the antichrist and this false prophet, the Bible says that the antichrist will have a prominent assistant who will help him. That's in Revelation 13:11 through 17. So if if you're one of those folks that are following along in your Bible, Revelation 13, 11 through 17, where it says the Antichrist will have this assistant to help him. The Bible calls this assistant the second beast. Now, this is symbolic of a person. It's not interpreted literally as being an animal. So let's make sure we're clear on that. This is uh, the Bible calls the false prophet. Now, the Muslims expect the coming of Isa, the Muslim Muslim version of Jesus. Now, the Hadiths say that Isa will help slay the Muslim version of the Antichrist and then help Mahdi to set up a global Islamic caliphate. Now, we talked about this caliphate yesterday. This is where the the Dajjal and Antichrist, uh, they have a uh, correlation that most Muslims seem to have a bit of a breakdown with this. The Hadith does not describe the um, Muslim version of the Antichrist, which is the Dajjal, having a, a prominent secondary assistant the way the Bible does. Yet, the Hadith clearly says that the Mahdi will have ISIS help. Isa being their name for Jesus. Now, similarly, the Bible shows that the first beast has the second beast, the false prophet, to help him. Now, the Hadith also speaks of another person called Al-Harith Harath. And, and it's this person whose army will lead a man called Mansur that's supposed to come from Khorasan, and help pave the way for the Mahdi to establish his government. However, other than that reference, the man was no longer mentioned after the Mahdi is revealed. So we'll see that this second beast is a religious figure that's alongside the Mahdi and establishes, helps establish his caliphate. So the parallel cannot be with this Al-Harith because he doesn't come up after that. So I'm not sure that, uh, that, that there's a direct correlation there. But Revelation 13 clearly says the second beast is a religious figure to bring in a global religion. A global religion. Now, the Hadith clearly does talk about a global religion. And it's significant that both the Bible and the Hadith agree that the role of this assistant as as religious in nature. Now, obviously, it's not going to be Jesus that's going to come back and help establish a Muslim caliphate. 
obviously this is going to be a false prophet. <clears throat> it doesn't say that, but it, it clearly indicates that. And, and it's significant to both agree of, of the role of this person. In fact, it's here that we see a clear correlation for the first beast and the second beast of Revelation as the Mahdi and Isa, respectively. This is what I mean by that is that you see this is the first place in the Hadith where you see the Mahdi and Isa together. Isa being Jesus, obviously it's not going to be Jesus, but it's going to be a false prophet, the same as the Bible describes this second beast as being a false prophet. So, he is going to be a, a, a subordinate or an assistant. Now, in Revelation 13, it says, 13.21, says that the deputy is subordinate to the first beast and will support him and deceive people to follow the first beast. Now, the Hadith says that I will, Isa will submit himself to the authority of the Mahdi. He asks Mahdi to lead in prayer. He will assist the Mahdi to set up this Islamic relation over the whole world, according to the Hadith. Now, not only does the Bible and the Hadith agree, agree that there will be a second prominent figure, but both also agree that the second is a religious figure who will submit to the authority of the first figure and will assist the first to set up this worldwide religion. Both Islam and Christianity both prophesy the same thing, that there will be a one world religion. Now, they may be different religions, but they both say there will be this one world religion. Uh, before I go on with this, <clears throat> and, and when you um, when you reconcile this and your own thoughts and your own knowledge, keep this in mind. We don't know if this is going to be um, <clears throat> exactly what either one of them say it might be. Just because you know Christianity is the largest religion in the world, Islam is the second largest. Now, if the first largest Christianity um, actually comes into this ecumenical movement uh, through the New Age movement, um, which they seem to go together. You know, if you've listened to the past programs that I've done, you've seen the, a correlation between uh, the New Age movement saying that all paths lead to God and that there's many ways to get there. Well, you know, the, the Catholic ecumenical movement is saying basically the same thing. You know, when the Pope invited all religions to come together, saying we all worship one God, and you don't have to give up your beliefs in um, um, Shintoism or Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam, or you don't have to give up any of those beliefs because all of those lead to one God. And the, the Pope was saying we all need to be united in one church, the Catholic Church, that's the ecumenical movement. Well, that's the same thing as the New Age movement. It's the same thing that Rick Warren is pushing. It's the same thing that uh, um, that all of these New Age people are saying, that everybody is saved no matter what religion you are. So it could very well be 
that Islam and Christianity, um, spiritualists, uh, Buddhist, Hindus, um, Shintoism, witch doctors, Wicca, um, it could be all of these things are, are going to unite at the very uh, last days, which they're forming right now, to form this one world religion that both Christianity and Islam talk about. So let's look at the characteristics of this. Now, in Revelation 13:11, it says the second beast will have horns that look like a lamb's but speak like a dragon. Lamb in the Bible obviously refers to Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world. John 1:29, 1, 135, and 36 say the horns in biblical symbolism represent power and authority. So we see that the second beast will claim to be the real Jesus and exercise this power, um, probably in the form of miracles. And, and we see that where they say they will rain down fire from the sky and perform miracles in front of man. And, and authority, he'll, have, he'll do these all in his name, not in Jesus' name, but in the false prophet's name. But in reality, this will not be the biblical Jesus. Now, when we went through a revelation before, when we talked about the Antichrist and this false prophet, remember I told you over and over and over as we went through that whole program that we were doing that so that you wouldn't be fooled by this, that you wouldn't be fooled when this happens, that you won't say, obviously, this is Jesus. Look at the miracles. Look at the power. He's claiming he's Jesus, and look at the miracles he's performing. And we went through that just for the specific purpose so that you know this is the dragon, the father of all lies. This is not Jesus. Jesus is not coming back that way. Now, if you missed that program, you need to go back and listen to that one too because he is the father of all lies, and he will be so good at this deception. He will, he will deceive the elect if it were possible. So when we go through this, and when I talk about this, when I talk about the false prophet from before, you have to make sure that you understand it, that you don't get fooled by this. Because the first beast and the second beast are going to perform great miracles. Not only the resurrection of the Antichrist when his deadly wound is going to be healed, but also when they start performing miracles, raining down fire from the sky, performing all kinds of miracles, and him saying that he is the true God and that this is his return. And I wanted to make sure then and make sure now that you know that that's not Jesus' return. Jesus is not going to return that way. So, he will perform these miracles, but in reality, he is not the biblical Jesus. This means the second beast will employ lies to help the first beast bring about this new empire. He'll be lying, and his lying will, will uh, be allowed to bring about the desired results. You see that in John 8:44. Now, Isa is the Muslim version of the biblical Jesus. Muslims believe that Isa is a human prophet, but not the Son of God, that he did not die on the cross. Muslims believe that Isa is now in heaven and will return to help the Mahdi to set up this Islamic caliphate. It's said that he will correct the falsities introduced into Christianity, that this Isa will. They say that he'll do this perhaps by claiming that he is not God, 
that he was in heaven all along and has now returned to the world to Islam. That he was wrong about that whole thing. You remember in yesterday's program where the, the Hadith says that he will return. He will kill the swine. He will break the cross. And all Christians who do not come to Islam will be killed by Jesus, according to Islam. Islam allows the use of lying to achieve some of its goals. Now, the Hadith says that lying is allowed under certain circumstances, one of which is when in a state of war, Muhammad also allows his followers to lie in order to get his enemies killed. Now, if Isa were to follow the Sunnah of Muhammad, then lying is an acceptable means to deal with the enemies in order to establish this caliphate. This is the hudna we spoke about yesterday. So, when Mahdi and Isa were engaged in jihad with the rest of the non-Muslim world, lying is allowed and will probably be used because this is one of their tools. Now, John 5:43, Jesus alluded to an imposter who will be accepted as the biblical Jesus. That's in John 5:43. Go read that for yourself. That's why I want to make sure everybody understands. Go back and listen to our program about the Antichrist in Revelation. The Antichrist we talked about yesterday and the program today to know that this person is going to come back, claim to be Jesus, but not be the biblical Jesus. This will be a hoodna, a lie of, according to Muslims, it will be a lie of Islam. Now, in the Hadith, Isa will be accepted as Jesus. This is, of course, in the context of Islam. Islam's Isa is not the same as the Jesus described in the Bible. All right? I want to make sure that we're clear on that. I don't want anybody to be fooled because, you know, a lot of people are going to be fooled. And before we go on to talk about the army that they're going to form to do this, let me make this 100% clear. <clears throat> that... When this happens, I'm not saying that uh, that this is exactly how it's going to go, because I don't believe that the Quran is, is an inspired holy book. Um, obviously, like I said yesterday, they have taken what was already established and just tweaked it, took some things out, and put some things in. And this is my opinion. Uh, took some things out, put some things in to make it what they wanted it to be. So, you know, this whole thing may just be that kind of comparison. Um, we happen to know as Christians that it's the Bible that's the truth, and we know that because of the accuracy right up to this very day. Hasn't been wrong yet. So, <clears throat> let's talk about these two beasts. The two beasts will have a powerful army to dominate the world and create a new world order. That's in Revelation 13.7. This is where I get all of these programs that I do on the one world order, on the uh, one world government, the one world religion, um, how they have to break down America's sovereignty. Um, 
in order for us to be able to fit into this the way that the, the UN, not saying that the UN is going to be this new government, but the UN is moving that direction. So I'm trying to report when I do these programs, I'm trying to report on everything that's moving that direction. And you look for yourself and decide if that's what it is or not. You know, most of you are, are very well versed. However, there's a lot of there's a lot of Christians in the world today who claim to be Christian who are incredibly ignorant about the Bible and couldn't defend any part of it if they had to. These are people who are Christian in name only. And they're really given a black eye to Christianity because they they, they are so ignorant of the Bible. These are people who say some of the most damnable things. You know, that they don't believe in the virgin birth or that they think that the resurrection from the dead was just a story. I mean, some of the basic funda fundamentals that, that um, is the foundation of a relationship with Jesus Christ are denied because of ignorance. These people don't read their Bibles. The only thing they know about Christianity is what someone else tells them. Christians in name only. All right, so Revelation 13 it says that, that they are going to form this army that's going to create this new world order. Well, the Mahdi, according to, um, according to the Hadith, the Mahdi will lead the Muslims to wage jihad against the rest of the world to bring about this golden era of Islam. Now, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, so this should be familiar for those of you who were here yesterday. Is that's what that's what this is going to be. It's going to be a jihad against the non-Muslim countries. And we went through who those countries were on the first part of this. Now, given that there are 1.3 to 1.5 billion Muslims in the world today, and given that when the Mahdi appears, a lot of Muslims will join him to wage this jihad against the rest of the world, the number of able fighting Muslims will be considerable. And new converts often form out of the most zealous fighters, such as large numbers of fighters, in, uh, is, is unmatched by any nation in this world, even China. China cannot even match this. So early Muslim history also tells us how the Muslims were zealous in fighting and expanding the Islamic empire for Allah. In a few decades, the entire North African um, area came under the, the the crescent moon. Muslims' armies conquered Spain, uh, Central Asia, India. Um, the Eastern Roman Empire also fell to the Ottoman Turks. And now, given the huge army that this Mahdi can muster to wage this jihad against the rest of the world, it's it, I think it's clear that a lot of nations will fall very quickly. Very few nations can stand against this kind of onslaught, especially since there are already many Muslims in every country. Have you noticed how Muslims are moving in and pushing their agenda in just about every single country? And they're demanding to have their way. Now, at the end of this program, I'm going to give you some more examples of that. Although I've given you these examples over and over and over again, I have some new examples of how Muslims are moving into countries around the world and deny, or demanding their Muslim rights and their Muslim laws to be applied to them and the people around them. And they're pushing that, and countries are giving in to them. 
So these prophecies of both the Hadith and the Bible are coming to pass this very day. This very day. This is not some future event. What I'm telling you is happening now. That's why this is so important. That's why I'm doing this program. That's why I'm warning everyone not to fall for this when, when this false Christ comes about, when this, these two beasts come about. Not to fall into this lukewarm, new age movement, ecumenical movement, bunch of hooey. And that's what this is. This is just a bunch of hooey. You have to stick to what the Bible says, word for word for what it says without man's interpretation. You can follow Christ the way you're supposed to. And not fall for these things. On Revelation 13, 8 and 15, it says, Together they will institute a global religion over the whole world. The second beast is the religious leader that will help the first beast institute and enforce, enforce this new religion. That's what it says in Revelation. Now, we just talked about what it says in the Hadith, that they are going to automatically take over the Muslim countries, and then as a group from all of those Muslim countries, they're going to wage jihad on non-Muslim countries. By force, by the sword, you either convert or die. This is also where it talks about in the New Testament, where in the very last days, how Christians are going to be persecuted, you'll be taken up... Um, uh, and beheaded for the faith, and this, I mean, this all just comes together and, and forms the perfect picture about what both of these are saying. So, there will be, according to Revelation 9, 14 through 60, there will arise from the Euphrates, which is uh, runs through modern uh, Iraq, an army of 200 million. That's Revelation 9, 1416. You're going to have to do a little bit of math on that. I hope you have a little bit better than public education so you can do that, but it comes out to 200 million. This does not mean that they are all from that region. They could be a gathering of people. It could also uh, does not mean that this is the size of the army of the first beast. Let's make that clear. It just says an army of 200 million. It doesn't say it's the beast's army. It doesn't say it's from a certain country. It just says an army of 200 million. And, and we're going to have to take the word for what it says. Now, we're not going to do like uh, everybody else does and interpret it and say, well, this is going to be China. and this is It doesn't say that. We're going to go with what it says, and that's it. It just says an army of 200 million that comes up from the Euphrates. Okay, so something, well, whatever this gathering is, wherever they're from, which is not really the point. And I just hate it when people start putting all stuff in it that's not theirs, like God's word is not enough. So this does not mean that they're all from that region. It could be, it could be a, a coalition of, of whoever. We don't know. But we do know the size. And we do know they'll be coming up from the Euphrates. Now, according to the Hadith, the number of Muslims today is somewhere between uh, 1.3 and 1.5 billion. The Mahdi will wage jihad against the rest of the world. 200 million is less than 20% of all Muslims. Do you hear what I'm saying? Less than 20% of all Muslims. Now, if all Muslims are men, women, and children, and you split that up into three equal parts just for the sake of the argument, 
that would still be 30% of available men to fight this war. Now, if you took the men out who were over a certain age, over 60 or so, then it may well come down to 20%. But the number today is somewhere between X to a, million, a billion, a billion with a B, and a half. And, and the Mahdi is going to, according to the Hadith, wage war against the rest of the world. Now, don't forget, I'm not saying it's going to be this 200 million. I'm just saying, remember, that 200 million is less than 20% of all Muslims. Now, this kind of, this, this kind of number is hard to imagine um, before the last century. Before the last century, there were no armies of this size. That's why this is so significant now. But the world population has grown six times in the last two centuries. It was one billion in 1802. We once heard that Muslims say that about 10% of Muslims are militant. That gives us a number of about 120 to 150 million. Now, if you factor in the growth in the next few years or decades, however long this is going to be, the number of available Muslims to fight in jihad, easily 200 million. Actually, it appears more likely that the numbers that are mentioned in Revelation 9.16 forms only a portion of the Antichrist's army. This number is also imaginable if the entire Muslim world engaged in jihad against the rest of the world. Because we don't know how this is going to go. Exactly. I mean, we don't know the details. We know what's going to happen, but we don't know the details. So given such a huge army, I think it's clear the rest of the world stands a little chance of resisting his military. Now, coupled with the uh, dependence of the world oil, which we talked about yesterday, much of the world will have to fall to the domination of Islam very quickly if he controls all of these oil-rich countries. And people like us who are just don't seem to be smart enough to get our own oil out of our own land, we are dependent on them. And if they decided to cut it off quickly, we couldn't drill enough to uh, uh, fast enough to meet the demand because we have no infrastructure set up for that. So let's keep that in mind as we um, um, consider who our politicians um, need to be as to whether or not we're going to use our own oil and stop importing it. So it's easy to see this, the, how the world is going to fall into this rule. The demand for oil is huge around the world, not just in America. Everybody depends on the Middle East for this oil. If, if this Mahdi and, and his false prophet decide to wage war and cut off all oil from everyone – it's going to be a problem. Now, there will definitely be some who will resist. The Bible says that one-third of mankind will perish in a global conflict. Revelation 9.15. What is this global conflict going to be? Is this going to be over oil? Is this going to be um, part of the um, jihad against the rest of the world? Uh, we know that there are undesirables in the Middle East who are working very hard to get nukes. And we've heard in the last uh, month or two that if Iran gets a nuclear bomb, 
that surrounding countries are saying they'll have to have one to protect themselves. It will be a new arms race. The Middle East will be full of nuclear arms. I know there's already some over there now. We'll see how that works out. So the Bible says that people will worship the person behind the beast because power was given to the beast in Revelation 13, 14. People will say, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Now think about what we talked about and what Revelation 13, 14 says. Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Not that he's so powerful, but maybe because they don't have any oil. They don't have any energy, no fuel. According to the Hadith, the Mahdi and Isa will direct people to worship Allah. The Mahdi and Isa will be very successful in their jihad against the world, so that all the world will be under Islam. Accept Islam or have nothing because they control all of the energy, all of the oil, all of everything that the world – let's face it, energy, oil, gasoline is the heartbeat of the world. You cut that off, and a lot of people are going to say, okay, we'll give in. Now, Revelation thirteen fourteen is talking about the dragon behind the first beast, which according to the Bible is symbolically Satan. Now, Revelation 13, 14, we know that the Antichrist will be very successful in his military campaigns. People will be amazed at his military genius. And similarly, the Mahdi will be very successful in his jihad. So a similar explanation may be very possible. Now, when this happens... This also has to come under this one world, um, this new world order, the one world government, the one world um, governance. So in Daniel 7.25, he says they will change existing laws. So obviously this is going to be this is going to be someone who has their own set of laws separate from everyone else that they are going to impose on everyone else. The Hadith clearly says that the Mahdi will institute Sharia over the whole world. Sharia is an Islamic law. The Bible says in Daniel that this Antichrist and the false prophet will change existing laws. This is a warning from our instruction manual. The Hadith clearly says the Mahdi will institute Sharia over the whole world. How many places are instituting Sharia, not only America, not only you folks in the UK, but they're, they're moving into every country in the world and they're pushing Sharia law everywhere. Now, Islam is the only religion that has a set of codified laws that are governing every aspect of a Muslim's life. From religious, political, social, personal hygiene, the set of laws that I'm talking about is Sharia law. The Sunnis have four main schools of jurisprudence. And its impl implementation is not necessarily uniform across all of these different schools. Muslims say that more than 70% of the rules are the same. 
Now, the implementation of Sharia in Muslim countries and the clamor for Sharia in many Muslim-dominated countries, Nigeria, Sudan, Indonesia, Malaysia, and, and despite the presence of, of a significant number of non-Muslim, Muslim leaders in Britain and America make no pretense that they want the, the Sharia to be the only law of their nations. Now, when the number of believers become the majority and or when it has enough political power, Islam is the only religion where its believers will change the laws of the land into Sharia law. This law is extended even to the non-Muslims, bringing about a state of um, uh, a protection, I guess we could say, even to the non-Muslims. You remember we talked about it yesterday, the uh, Gazette law, uh, yeah, laws where you have to pay the Muslims for protection if you're non-Muslim. It's so important that, that you hear me and understand this. And if you haven't heard yesterday's program, go back and it'll help you understand today's. So, Daniel 7.25, they will change the calendar system. In Daniel 7.25, they will change the calendar system. Now, clearly, the Mahdi will use the Islamic calendar as he implements the Sharia law. Because the Islamic calendar is part of the Sharia law. All Muslim countries use the Islamic calendar, unlike the Georgian calendar that's used in the West that we use, is completely lunar. It has no um, um, synchronization with the, with the solar calendar. The Islamic calendar is from um, Hejra, Muhammad's flight from Mecca to Medina. So instead of AD, the calendar date in um, is, is called AH. A is an apple, H is in hairy. Not that it's a hairy apple. <laughs> but it's AH instead of AD in their calendar. Now, Daniel 7.25 says clearly they will change the calendar. Again, while a lot of religions have their own calendar system. Only Islam consistently uses this over the entire land when it's in the dominant religious force. If the world comes under Islamic rule, the use of this calendar is a given. This is going to happen exactly as Daniel said in 725. Because this is the only... You know, like I said before, Islam is the second largest religion in the world. They have their own calendar. If all of this that we've been talking about yesterday and today come to pass the way that these two prophecies both say, one being the Antichrist uh, of the Bible, which we know is the truth, uh, and describing the same thing that the Hadith and the Quran are describing as the Antichrist, I think it, the coalition is, if nothing else, it's it's worth studying. It's worth having this program. It's worth listening to and contemplating. <clears throat> so according to Daniel 7, 2, 8, 24, uh, Revelation uh, 13, 7, and 10, the beast will persecute the Jews and Christians and will be allowed to win over them. So, since the Jizya tax 
will be abolished under ISA and the Mahdi. This is the protection tax that I just talked about, that we talked about yesterday, and I told you this yesterday, that this Antichrist says that when Jesus returns, he will abolish this uh, jizya tax, which is the protection of Christianity under Islamic rule. It will no longer be allowed. This will be open season on Christians. Because ISA will accept nothing except Islam from the Jews and Christians, according to the Hadith. This means that only acceptable response from a Christian is either to become a Muslim or be killed. Now, do you remember yesterday when we talked about the invitation to Islam, when they send an invitation to others? Uh, and they've been doing They did it to George Bush. They did it to... Uh, not Osama bin Laden, to uh, <laughs> Barack Obama. And if they refuse that, then the war is on. So this protection, when the false prophet and the Antichrist appear, this if, if it is Islam, this protection will be lifted. Now, Christians today already face persecutions in Islamic country. And this is ranging from Indonesia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, the Middle East. Apostates from Islam are regularly killed, either through the state or through honor killings. Now, when the Mahdi comes, invitations to Islam will go out to non-Muslim and non-Muslim nations. If a non-Muslim nation does not accept the invitation, then it's clear that there will be a war and they will be killed if they do not convert, if they do not accept that invitation, you will be killed, according to them, if they can do it. <clears throat> Obviously, they don't have the clear power to just go in and kill everybody yet, but if this comes about the way that uh, both of these prophecies talk about, then that uh, it's a very real possibility. Now, in Daniel 11:41, the Bible says that the Antichrist will attack Israel. The Hadith says that the Mahdi and his followers will attack the Jews. The first group, of course, will be the Antichrist and his Jewish followers. We talked about his Jewish followers yesterday. Now, Muhammad said, the last hour will not come unless the Muslims will fight against the Jews and the Muslims would kill them until the Jews worldwide themselves Behind a stone or a tree, and a stone or a tree would say, Muslim, or the servant of Allah, there is a Jew behind me. Come and kill him. The Surah says in the Muslim book, um, 041, number 6985. So if, if you folks are going to look this up in the Quran or in the Surah, then it's in book 41, number 6985. And I've talked about this before. Why is, when they argue about religious um, being books of hate and violence, and I'm going to say this again. I've said it before. The Bible does not teach a lifestyle of murder and hate and violence. The Quran does. Now, while there is uh, violence in, in the Bible, and I always give the reference of when Joshua was sent in to cleanse a city before they took control of it. 
And God told them to kill everything that breathes, every man, woman, child, and animal that breathes air to kill them because he, he was cleansing that city of uh, a corrupted DNA. After that, he, God went right back to the teachings of love thy neighbor as thyself, um, do good, um, seek honor and holiness and righteousness um, to do good, where the Quran is just the opposite. The Quran tells every believer, every servant of Allah, and I'll quote, it says, the last hour will not come unless the Muslims will fight against the Jews and the Muslims would kill them until the Jew would hide themselves behind a stone or a tree. And a stone or a tree would say, Muslim or the servant of Allah, there is a Jew behind me. Come and kill him. Muslims, there is an infidel behind me. Come and kill them. It's taught for all believers in Islam. Murder is a book of hate. This is a book of hate. Where they are taught as a lifestyle to kill people they, have, they don't even know and have nothing against. So based on that alone, we can rule out that the religious or political system that have little to do with Israel or the Jews are, are being the Antichrist's global system. Now, I just read from the Hadith that the Jews will be massacred such that even those behind stones will be killed. Now, before 1958, it's hard to imagine any nation gathering to attack the nation of Israel. There wasn't even such a nation before 1948. There was no nation of Israel to attack. So many prophecies concerning the attack on, on Israel up until 1948 just hung in limbo. Because how can you attack something that's not there? But after the establishment of the modern nation of Israel in 1948... This scenario suddenly became very possible. Even at the birth of Israel, neighboring Islam countries immediately attacked Israel. But even, even at the birth of Israel, they started in, let's see, they started in 1948 with uh, the War of Independence. It was like two or three days after they became a nation, the War of Independence. Um, Egypt, Jordan, and Syria attacked. 1967, the Six-Day War. I mean, they have been trying ever since 1948. Um, there was 1968 through 1970, the War of Attrition. 1973, the, the War of Yom Kippur. 1982, a Lebanon War. In 06, another Lebanon War. These people have been attacking continually over and over and over and over ever since 1948. That's what makes these prophecies so uh, relevant now. So here's what, here's what it says. With the unification of all Muslims under this Mahdi, Israel will be completely surrounded by Muslims except for the ones that we talked about yesterday in Ezekiel 38 where that are missing from the ten. Now, do you remember the, the prophecy of the ten toes of Daniel? And you remember the ten horns, three were removed? And you'll notice that after that point, that the three nations that we talked about yesterday, Egypt, Jordan, and uh, I don't remember what the other one was offhand. Um, 
never came up again after that. Those three were removed, bringing it right back down to the seven, just exactly as the Bible said this was going to happen. So it says in in Zechariah 12.2, also in Ezekiel 38, it says the world will attack Israel. And here's what it says. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a, a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. That's both in Zechariah and Zechariah 12.2 and Ezekiel 38. Now, according to the Hadith, the Mahdi will lead many nations to attack Israel. And it, it used to just be unthinkable that all nations can gather and attack a nation. But, you know, with the unprecedented um, things that happened in the first Gulf War, an attack under authorization of the United Nations is perfectly possible because the United Nations is a gathering of all nations. So if the United Nations puts that together, that is very possible. You know, even without the UN, this kind of attack is still possible since the core nations that attack Israel are mainly these Islamic countries when all of this comes about. If this is the way it's going to go down, then this is very much possible. It might just be part of this jihad. So in Daniel 9.26, it says, They and his deputy will attack and conquer Jerusalem. Talking about the Antichrist, the false prophet. They will attack and conquer Jerusalem. Both the Bible and the Hadith paint uh, the, the consequences of, of Jerusalem will be conquered by this Antichrist. And their followers will kill two-thirds of the inhabitants of Israel. That's in Zechariah 13 and Ezekiel 38. All right. We're going to talk about the method of execution. Um, I've been talking for an hour solid here. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, um, we are going to continue this um, comparison when we talk about these methods of execution. I'll be right back. Theoretically. There we go.
so much for allowing me that little break. It was very much needed. Thank you so much and for sticking with me through that. I'm not going to play commercials. I just wanted to take that little break um, after talking for an hour here. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. So we're going to talk about the, the method of execution that's going to be used according to the Bible and according to the Hadith, the Quran, the Surah. The Bible says that those who refuse to follow this new world religion will be killed. That's in Revelation 20, verse 4, and Revelation 13, verse 10. Now, the Muslims tell us that when the Mahdi comes, at that time, the only two options for humanity will be to embrace Islam or die, which is the way that's always been. That should not be strange news to anyone. We already know that that's their method. Now, according to Revelation 20 and 13.10, says they will use beheading as a means to execute those who do not follow them. Now, Muhammad had the males of the entire tribe of Banu uh, Karajah beheaded after he defeated them. The Quran says that when you meet the unbelievers smite their necks then when you have made wide slaughter among them tie fast the bonds then set them free either by grace or ransom till the war lays down its loads so it shall be and if God had willed he would have avenged himself upon them this is according to the hadith in the Quran well actually this is the Quran but that he may try some of you by other means and those who are slain in the way of God, he will not send their works astray. You also see that in the Surah in 47, 4 and 8, 12. So those two things also match. Revelation 20 and 13 saying that people will be beheaded. The Surah and the Quran both say that Islam during this jihad will will smite their necks and have wide slaughter among them. Now, it's significant. Islam is the only global entity that continues to use beheading for execution today. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone will be beheaded, but it will be a distinguishing trait of this global religion in these end times both according to the Bible, the Quran, and the Surah. What about this mark of the beast? When we talk about, I've talked about the mark of the beast many times before, because people take it out of context. Because what does the book of Revelation say? The false prophet will require a mark on the people's head or hand so that they may not buy or sell. That's in 13, Revelation 13, 17. Now, as a false prophet is this religious leader of this new world order, his system of marking um, obviously distinguishes between those who are submitted to the world religion order and those who are not. Now, it says you must have either on your hand or your head, either the name, the, the mark, the name, or the number. Now, why does he say either the mark or the name or the number? Is he not sure? 
Is that why he's saying it's this or this or this? Or is he saying that it could be any one of those three because it's going to be a combination? Maybe not everyone will have the same uh, mark. Maybe it will be some will have it in the hand. Some will have it in the head. Some will have it just by the mark. When I talked about the um, – because we have to take it for what this says. Now, when I talked about the mark of the beast before, remember I said if it is all three of these things, it, and, and I may be totally wrong on this, but it seems to me that they must all come down to the same thing, that nobody can buy or sell with either one of these three things, which means there, there's a central point that all of these things have to go into. And when I talked about the, the biometrics and the iris scan and the fingerprint scan and all of these things – how could all of these things all be the mark of the beast because it said the mark or the name or the number, which would all go down to a central database? And if you, if you go back and listen to these programs in the archive about the mark of the beast, you'll see that it could be actually all three of these things, not just one of them. You know, um, India right now is almost 90% done with biometrically databasing all of their um, um, all of their citizens in the entire country and it all goes into a data database there will be no cash it will all be done either through a fingerprint or an iris scan the hand or the forehead so if they have it in their hand and others have it in the forehead, does that mean that one of them is the mark and one of it's not? Well, not if it all goes into this one central database. And if you're not in this database and using one of these three methods, you will not be able to buy, sell, do any kind of business, drive a car, a driver's license, hold a job, do anything unless you're in this database. Which raises a huge question when it comes to the mark of the beast. Will this be one of those things where you're forced into it even without your own knowledge. So it could be that we are all in that database right now unknowingly and unwillingly. But yet God clearly says anyone who has the mark of the beast will not be allowed into heaven. I mean, how do we reconcile that? Well, that's for another show. I just wanted to make sure that we had a clear understanding of this mark of the beast. Because in Revelation 13:7. Now, let me go through this again. A false prophet will require a mark on the people's head or hand so that they may not buy or sell. This false prophet in Revelation is the religious leader of this new world order. Now, some Muslims claim there will be a beast that will make his mark on every person to distinguish between a Muslim and a non-Muslim. The Muslim's face will then shine while that of a non-Muslim will become black. Others claim that it's the mark of performing salat as a sign of piety. So here's another option of what may very well be the mark of the beast if the Antichrist of the Bible is this savior of Islam. Because these two kind of match. What we say will be the mark of the beast, according to Islam, will be what? It will be their Messiah. It's the Muslim Messiah, the Mahdi, that will bring about this golden age of Islam. This is, <laughs> this is the contrast I've talked about all day yesterday and today, is that the Antichrist of the Bible is the savior 
of Islam. Not that it is, but that the two correlate. What one says is, what the Bible says is the Antichrist describes exactly, almost exactly the same thing that Islam says is their Messiah. So in the Bible, this mark is for commerce. You cannot buy or sell without this mark. Today in a lot of countries, there's different numbers of Muslims. Businesses need certification from the Islamic authorities to show that their food or practices are um, halal. Well, that's food, banking, investment in places like Malaysia and Singapore. Um, Western businesses like McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken display the halal cert certification for the food that they sell. Halal food has begun showing up in regular American grocery stores. And in other countries where Muslims are moving in in large numbers, this is part of Sharia, where they're bringing in not only Sharia law for um, criminal and civil matters, but also for these food matters where it, they have to show this certificate that, that halal food is, is sold there in order for Muslims to eat it. This is pork-free. Now, now, you know that if... According to Islam, if a Muslim eats pork, then he's defiled, and he has to wait a certain amount of time for this to be out of his system. If he dies with pork in his system, he goes uh, directly to hell, although that kind of contradicts uh, other terms in the Hadith and the Quran because it says that all Muslims will taste of hell, and they will only get out of hell if they have good works or the right kind of good works. But the problem with that, it doesn't say what good works it needs or how many of those good works will get them out, or if it's a combination of good works, what that combination is. It just says you have to have enough good works, which is why all of these um, Muslims are so willing to die as a martyr, because in Islam, that's the only guarantee that you have of going to paradise. Other than that, all Muslims are going to hell, and they know it. So a lot of people speculate that this mark was some kind of Oh, and I get so tired of this. Some kind of chip or code or or that this is something that will track a person's location. It will contain a lot of personal history, including financial history. And, you know, this may be possible. You know, given the technology we have today, uh, in a global government and religion, it makes, it makes a lot of conformance sense, you know, and it makes conformance a lot easier. However... Neither the Bible nor the Hadith make this kind of claim about the mark of the beast. In the Bible, it only says that this mark and is a, a number or the name of the beast. So you need to have this mark to buy or sell. The Hadith says this is the mark distinguished the Muslims from the non-Muslims. It does not require the mark to be some sort of technological device. Um, that no one can know for sure until it happens. We'll see when this actually goes down. And I think it's interesting that, that the mark of the beast is is a negative one in the Bible. It's given to those who follow the Antichrist. On the other hand, and this is important, is in Islam, it's a positive, and it's received by Muslim to distinguish between Muslims and non-Muslims. Now, you know, again, it reminds us that the definition of the Antichrist, the Jesus, etc., have diametrically opposite meanings. 
Now, they may say the same thing, but they have opposite meanings. Okay, just like some of the uh, Christian religions today who claim to be Christian. And and I give this example all the time, that if, if I say I have a bare face, does that mean that I don't have a mustache or beard? Or does that mean that I have the face of a bear, of a literal bear? You see, you could say the same thing and have two completely opposite different meanings. And that's what the Quran and the Bible do. They pretty much, for the most part, say the same thing, but have drastically different meanings. Drastically different. So it's important that we understand what these differences are. If you didn't hear yesterday's program, listen to part one. Come back and listen to part two, and this will give you goosebumps. Okay. So in Revelation 13, 13, it says that the second beast will be able to perform miracles. Now, remember who the second beast is. The second beast is this false prophet. Now, the Hadith says, at the end of the time of my uh, Yumah, the Mahdi will appear. Allah will grant him rain. The earth will bring forth its fruits. It will give a lot of money. Cattle will increase, and the Muslim Ummah will become great. Also, Jesus performed many miracles the first time he was on earth, so when Isa arrives, it's likely that, quote-unquote, Isa, or this, this prophet of Islam, will perform miracles in order that people will believe in him. Now, we obviously know that the Isa that they're talking about is not the real Jesus. This is going to be a false prophet, the same as the, um, Revelation describes this false prophet, Revelation and Daniel. So it, it really doesn't say that the Mahdi will perform miracles, although some believe that he will. <clears throat> What's interesting is that the Bible in Revelation 13 describes him as a man of military might who receives a fatal wound that was somehow healed. However, this second beast was the one able to perform great miracles. Now, this matches the Muslim description of the Mahdi and Isa because, number one, Muslims believe that prophets are authenticated through miracles. That if a prophet cannot perform a miracle, he's not a real prophet. Because you remember the greatest miracle that Muhammad performed was he split the moon. And I don't know about you, but I still see a full moon a couple times a month. Anyway, Muslims believe that a Mahdi is not a prophet, therefore cannot necessarily have the ability to perform miracles, although many believe that he, he has that miracle. I mean, he has that ability. Muslims believe that Isa was a prophet, not God, and has performed miracles. Hence, his ability to perform miracles will be a sign of his prophethood. This allows the Muslims for their false prophet, who they're going to call Isa, to become, to authenticate that he is the second beast and that this second beast is one that they will call Isa. Now, there's going to be, uh, during this whole thing, a great apostasy of Christians. The Bible prophesies that many of Christians will turn away from the biblical faith. That's in Second Thessalonians 2.3. That's in Matthew 24, 10 through 13, 1 Timothy 4 through 1, 
uh, and 2. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. And Luke 18, 8. You know, Jesus said himself in Luke 18. He said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Or, And that's a rhetorical question. Because people are turning away from the real biblical truth of God's word. That's why I tell everybody all of the time, you have to take God's word for what it says. Don't take the teachings of man. We have to separate the yokes from the whites. God's word from the teaching of man in order to know what the truth is and have real faith in Christ the way we're supposed to only comes when you read the Bible through the Holy Spirit and understand these things yourself. Without that, then you're one of these apostates. Now, under the Mahdi, the Jizya tax will be abolished, the cross broken. Now, given that the Jizya tax will be abolished, the fate of Christians can only be one of two. Either become a Muslim or be executed. Now, it's easily conceivable that a lot of Christians will become Muslims because they don't have the real faith. These are Christians in name only. This has been illustrated by the uh, kidnapping of the Fox News journalist. Um, what was his name? Steve uh, Centurini? Is that what his name was in, in 06? And and Olaf, what was his name? Olaf Wegg, I think, who were forced to convert to Islam under gunpoint. And they did. And you know, I could do a whole program just on that. How strong is your faith? Someone holds a gun to your head. Would, would you switch to Islam or would you take the bullet? You know, how strong is your faith? So under the, the, under the threat of death, and also the fulfillment of Islamic apocalyptic prophecies, Christians will be persuaded to abandon the Christian faith and turn to Islam. These obviously, now remember it says in the Bible that he, that he will do these things to deceive even the elect if it were possible. People who have a real relationship with God are going to take the bullet and not deny Christ. In a lot of places, this has already happened. A lot of nominal Christians have become Muslims in Europe and, and other places. Islam is the fastest growing religion in the Americas. Muslims also believe that the Mahdi will be able to go to Syria and bring out some artifacts and archaeological finds, of um, one of which is a version of the Torah. And it will use it to argue against the Jews. As a result of this, a number of them are said to become Muslims. And it's likely that a lot of Christians will follow suit when the integrity of the, of the Bible will appear to be compromised if this actually goes down the way that, that they say it will. Now, there will be use of lies in, in this world of religion, according to Second John 1.7 and Revelation 13, probably in order to win over uh, people to rule them. Well, in Islam, lying is acceptable, even among Muslims. That's the hudna. And it's also significant that Islam allows lying under certain conditions to achieve certain goals. So what about these witnesses? Now, remember, I told you in the beginning of the program, we were going to talk a little bit about these witnesses. Uh, we're running kind of short on time. Um, 
and I wanted to be able to share these uh, news stories with you um, before we go off the air today. So let's talk briefly about these witnesses. The Bible describes two witnesses at the end times in Revelation 14, I mean, Revelation 11, 1 through 14. The Hadith describes uh, a a at the end times. This is the version of, um, well, let's go into this comparison of the two witnesses. The Bible and the um, the uh, Dajil, they, they note that numerically the two do not match, but there are characteristics of these two that do match. Now, Bible scholars are divided over how to interpret the two witnesses due to the symbolic language. You know, it talks about olives, trees, and lampstands, and it's also used to describe these two witnesses. Some believe they believe it to be totally figurative referring to Judaism and Christianity and the two witnesses um, other people say that these are Old Testament prophets you know Elijah Enoch or Moses and maybe New Testament poss- possibly uh, John the Baptist and, but taking the word for what it says the Bible does not explicitly identify him and it's hard to say exactly who they might be. Still, others believe that they are simply two different persons altogether. Now, it says in Revelation 11 that the witnesses will work many miracles. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth to devour their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the day of their prophecy. They have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. That's Revelation 11, 5, and 6. These two prophets torment those who dwell on the earth. That's Revelation 11:10. Now, Muslims believe that the Dejel will work many miracles, deceive many people. This is the false prophet. Deceive many people, cause great suffering and torment in the world. Also, Muslims believe that the Yajig and Majaj, or Gog and Magog, should also be distinguished from the Gog and Magog of the Bible. So their followers will cause, cause great um, devastation to the earth. And, and Muhammad told his followers to beware of the trial of Dajjal. Muhammad broke in a tremble times when he had visions of this now, the two witnesses of the Bible could be seen as um, as the same person that's being spoke of in in the Quran, the Hadith, that they will torment the world, uh, including Muslims. That it could either correspond to uh, Gog or Magog, the Bible, or Ezekiel with. Uh, 38 that refers to the Antichrist and his false prophets. The witnesses are wearing a sackcloth, signifying repentance and anointment. Anointed in Hebrew is kippur, and from the root um, kippur with Hebrew F and P are the same letters, then the latter being hard to sound out than the former. So the K and the P, you know, I'm not an expert in the language, but I am somewhat familiar with it. So Muslims believe that um, the Dajjal has the letters 
KFR on his head, which all Muslims can recognize and therefore identify him as the the what we call the false prophet. They'll they'll then be able to avoid their version of this false prophet. All right, well, you know, I've got more, but we've just got a few minutes left, and I want to share some of these news stories. I wanted to wait and hold them till the end um, because it's only after we have this discussion that some of these things are going to make sense. Now, this is a, this is a story that came from – where did this story come from? Uh I guess I can't give credit where I don't know. But it says a U.N. representative is calling for establishing a world capital in Islamic Istanbul. Now, this U.N. representative says the world needs a global capital. It should be the capital of Islamic Turkey, Istanbul, according to the U.N. special representative Eric Falk, the United Nations special rapporteur in Palestinian human rights. Now, he wrote on November 1st, of this year, an opinion piece for Al Jazeera English calling for a global capital because of integration by markets and globally constituted battlefields by changing geopolitical patterns. He says, while Turkey is a long-standing U.S. ally and member of NATO, its nearly 80 million population is now 99.8% Muslim, according to the CIA Factbook. Its prime minister has had several run-ins with Israel over access to Gaza. In March, he urged Israel to stop the brutal attack against Palestinians and the massacre and bloodshed. Now, the U.S. And, um, embassy in Turkey sent out an emergency message for U.S. citizens in September warning of a planned anti-American march protest in Istanbul. The march was tied to protest against the YouTube video. How many times have we heard that? claimed by critics to be anti-Islamic. And let me tell you this. You want to see that video that they're talking about? Come to my webpage at wdeanshook.com. Go to the video section, and you'll see a 13-minute clip of that film that they're claiming sparked all of these things. This has got to be <laughs> the worst, cheesiest film I think I have ever seen. This is so bad. I mean, the production is... I've seen high schoolers do better stuff than this. WDeanShook.com. Go to the video section of my webpage and watch this stupid 13-minute video. And, and you'll see what everybody, including um, our government, said was the spark of all of this. All right. Well, I just wanted to – I'm not going to share this whole thing. It's kind of a long story, and we're running out of time quick. But I wanted to share that. also want to share um, – Another story that says a new poll reveals that American Muslims view on elections, constitution, and Sharia law. Nearly half of 600 Muslim American citizens polled who plan to vote in 2012 presidential election believe that parodies of Muhammad should be prosecuted criminally in the U.S. And one in eight say the offense is, serious, is a serious violation that they should face the death penalty. Here in the U.S., the result came in a groundbreaking scientific poll for WND by the public opinion research and meeting consulting company Winzel Strategies. It was taken October 22nd through the 26th 
carries a margin of error of plus or minus 3.98 percentage points. The poll also found 40% of Muslims in America believe they should not be judged by U.S. law and the Constitution, but by Sharia standards. And the big winner among Muslim Americans is the presidential election is Barack Obama, the poll found. More than 72% said they are definitely supporting Barack Hussein Obama. Another 8.5% are leaning uh, that direction. Only 11% are for Romney. Nearly 55% of the American Muslim voters over the uh, um, U.S. Is on, say that the U.S. is on the right track. That another 13% are uncertain. Virtually all of the respondents, 98%, are American citizens. 97% are registered to vote. Almost half of those Muslims surveyed, an astonishing 46%, said they believe those Americans who offer criticism or parodies of Islam should face criminal charges. Even more shocking, one in eight respondents said that those Americans who criticize or parody Islam should face the death penalty, while another 9% said they are unsure about the question. So how do you like that? Does that give you an idea of where we stand? I've only got a couple minutes left. You can visit my website and see that video in the video section at wdeanshook.com. You can email me at contact at wdshook.com. That's my email. Also, on the web page, there's a contact form right on the front page. If you fill up contact form, it comes directly to my email in case you don't remember or can't remember the email. It's very simple. Contact at wdeanshook.com. All one word, wdeanshook.com. The website is the same thing. All one word, wdeanshook.com. Now, I had some more uh, comparisons to go over. I wanted to go into these uh, two witnesses in a little more depth, but we're out of time. So um, I'll see you on the next program. Thank you for the privilege of being able to share this valuable information with every one of you. This is um, critically important. Um, I will be back uh, through the weekdays at 8 p.m. I'll look forward to the time that we share then. Um, Until then, Go back and listen to the first part of this program, which was yesterday's program, and today is the second part of this program. This is vitally important, and I will see you on our next program. Thank you, and God bless everyone. For you, the listeners of the W. Dean Shook Program, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Get your first 30 days of the Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. It includes one credit, which in most cases, one credit equals one audiobook. Now, after your 30-day free trial, your membership will automatically renew each month for just $14.95. With your membership, you will receive one credit per month, plus members-only discounts on all audio purchases. Members also receive one audiobook per month. Membership saves up to 30% on additional purchases. Save up to 75% on all CD audio retail prices, plus a free daily audio subscription to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. 
Now with over 100,000 titles to choose from, all compatible with your iPod, iPhone, Android, Kindle, BlackBerry, and over 500 MP3 devices. Get your free trial today at audiotrial.com slash shook. That's audibletrial.com slash shook. What is sin? The wickedness of mankind in the mind and body. The deliberate act of evil to the known will of God. It's the undying corruption within God's world and upon death follows a lost eternity. But there was a man, born as a human with the power of God who changed all things. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He came as a child into the world and dwelt among us as our own. He was the light of the world. Sent to bring mankind out of darkness and lead them on the path of truth. To free each and every one of us from sin and the darkness within us since we were created. As a child, he taught in the temples with authority and power, and people were filled with hope. His teaching was love, and through his power, he received any who believed in him and made them children of God. For he was God's only Son, sent into the world that all might believe. He's the Savior of the world, who made all things new, and whosoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. Through love, He gave His life and died for all mankind, taking all of our sins upon Himself, so we could be free. Death couldn't overcome Him. He rose from the dead and ascended into the far reaches of heaven. There he waits in his Father's kingdom. His name is Jesus, the Savior of the world. He came to earth once. He will come again. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. He lives and his love lasts forever. He is the Son of God, and all things were created for him. To the glory of the Father, who is with us always.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.